Hello, and welcome to BrainShare, all things sales podcast. I'm Katie Moulton, a new SDR looking to learn some tips and tricks from other salespeople. Welcome to the show, Alex Harvey. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, my name is Alex Harvey. I'm a professional drifter, currently engaged in sales with Mighty Signal, a little startup in the in the Mo iOS and Android SDK space, for those in the know. Uh, but it's sort of my first traditional sales role, even though I've been doing sales informally for many years. And it's been a real adventure to kind of uh, wrap my head around say, like traditional sales techniques and to you know see a little bit of success here at Mighty Signal. Yeah, absolutely. So jumping right into what we're talking about today, we're going to talk about finding your voice in sales. So what does it mean to you to find your voice? That's a good question. And it's something that, that I've kind of had to figure out on the fly, so to speak. You know, a lot of times people drop into these entry-level SDR roles and, and get handed a sales cadence or a script or, or things like that. And they're trying to figure out, uh, and, and it feels a little bit like you don't matter, like who you are doesn't matter. And it's it's a little demoralizing at times. And I feel like finding where you can impact the script and things like that is, is important uh, because it, it's just a huge quality of life boost when you feel like you're the one actually driving the conversation and your particular way of doing sales matters a lot. Um, I used to say in a previous position that there, there are specific people that you will meet that only you will be able to sell to. And this need multiple different uh, tactics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think one thing that's been like on my mind lately about this is like how you talk to people is really important in sales and that making mistakes while you're on the phone almost helps you because it shows the person on the other side that you're a human being. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, My, my, one of my personal pet peeves is when it, when it feels like a first contact email is canned, you know, like I'm just one out of the 500 people you sent this to. And I've seen people, I think, I'm not sure if I entirely agree with this, but I've seen people even go so far as to intentionally make like grammatical capitalization errors and, and that sort of thing in their emails to sort of hit this point that you're talking about. Yeah, I've never, well, I haven't intentionally done that, though I did find a typo in one of my emails today, and the guy was very confused by the word mix-up, but. <laughs> um, and it has happened to me, too. It has happened to me. But I think, I think there's some solace to be found in, um, in the lack of a need for perfection. Yeah, to say it another way is that perfection in sales makes you sound fake. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly it. Or automated. Like, exactly. it's like one of the worst Which ways. Which is kryptonite, can... right? Yeah, it's like one of the worst ways to come across is, oh, I've said this to a hundred other people today and here I am just spitting it back out at you. Like, it's not going to get you too far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, it, and personally, like, I feel like uh, even though I have a script that I that is effective and actually works. I like to, I like to use the same kind of phrases because they tend to get results. I, I always try to put something in there that, that proves 
so to speak, that I actually read their LinkedIn profile rather than just, hi, first name, I see you're working at company name. And, and you know, and then I go from there. Like that's not customization in my mind. What's customization is something that, that I heard uh, another great sales guy, Patrick Downs say, it was like, hey, first name, I read your article about, then you plug in what the article was about that they either wrote or the podcast they, they, they were on or something like that. And says, really agree about what you said and making sure that you're not like lying about that. And, and then saying, wondering what you're thinking about. Um, and then, and then you pitch them on kind of the solution that you offer. Uh, it, it's a little more complicated. It takes more time, but the return rates I'm seeing on it are, a lot better. And I think that's because you're actually investing in a relationship. I'm going to put that in quotes where you're familiar with their work and you had a question about their work. Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's kind of like the point. It's like, if you can show that you just know something about them, that you put in some type of effort to know something, it'll go a long way in talking to them and building, starting to build like a working relationship with this person that you're trying to connect with. I agree. I agree. And I think that, that beyond just making a sale, I think there's something to be said for um, actually connecting with other humans. And I think, I think a lot of people are missing that, especially right now during the whole 2020 COVID fiasco, that people are, are missing that sort of human interaction. And so providing that, even in just sort of a, a superficial candy bar way, can be, ben- can, can be pleasant to people. Yeah. Of course, with any sales, with any kind of idea that I'll pitch, it doesn't work for everybody, you know? Like, if someone tried that for me, I'm like, buddy, I got friends. What do you, what's your software, you know? <laughs> you, you'll meet people along that spectrum of, of I just want to know what you're selling to... I really enjoy having conversations with people and some, and then it will depend on what one end of the spectrum, who you're talking to. And I would say that on a phone call, that's a lot easier to figure out than potentially over email. Oh yeah. You can gauge so much by like the inflection and like manner that someone talks to you and in, and in the same way that like they can tell if you're putting false energy, you can tell if they are. Right. Exactly. Both of you give up a lot of information during those calls. I think that's one of the coolest things about sales, or at least the program that I use is every call I make is recorded. And it's interesting to go back Mm. and listen to the successful ones and listen to the ones that weren't as successful and like gauge the tone of the voice and the words that both I and the other person was using that made the call either successful or non-successful. Yeah. Figuring out even the keywords, you know, I've seen and on that note, like I've seen literal entire businesses built around that idea of, of digitizing uh, or, or almost like a stenography type system or uh, platform where you'll upload your call and it'll literally write the whole thing out for you person to person, almost like a screenplay and then scan it for those keywords and key phrases. So you can check to see if your reps are using the right phrases or, or if they're picking up on concerns or, and you could totally do that. They're, they're saying you can do it automatically, which goes to show just how, how powerful that whole 
listening to your old calls actually is. Yeah, as awkward as it is, listening to your own voice and listening to the mistakes that you made, it is one of the most beneficial things. Yeah, if I could never hear my voice ever again, I think that would be great. Oh, yeah, 100% agree. (laughs) On my own voice, not yours. It's by far. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) That's definitely an opinion that I have. <laughs> it feels weird. It feels kind of weird, like like voicing voicing opinions on on this specifically, just because I I am relatively new at it, and yeah. and going to that sales mastermind that you and I have been to a couple times, Katie. It's just saved my bacon. Just being able to sit in the same room as people who know what they're doing, or or at least a couple of years down the line of what I'm doing, and hear them talk about sales. It's just tremendously useful. Oh, I 100% agree there. One of my favorite things that I've taken away from that is I think it was Patrick Downs who said, like, find what other people are doing and do the exact opposite. It's like when I when I thought I was starting an outbound, I wrote this cadence pretty much around that with, like, really weird pattern interrupters. And it was one of the most fun things that I have done. It was pretty cool. Really? Yeah. You've got to send me that. I would love to read it. Cause I, I'm tripping over the same thing. You know, I was probably, he says it all the time. So I, I've been trying to do that kind of thing. And I, I, I can't figure out what should, what exactly should be opposite. Do I just cuss the guy out? Like, what, what do you mean? Do the exact opposite. I mean, I can be a total reprobate online if that's what it takes, but like, I don't think that's what you mean, but I don't know what you mean. <laughs> exactly. So, so being able to, to actually get the data point on that would be tremendously useful. Yeah. One thing that I've been doing recently, that's like, I don't know if it's quite the opposite, but I took a, a long email script that I was given and I totally revamped it, but made it shorter, but there's a bulleted list in there that the information in the list was useful and like relevant, but mm-hmm. the fact that you're using a bullet list, like no one's going to read it. So I took it and I turned it into like an infographic where it's like a picture with that has colors and words, you know, like the same information as a bullet list, just in an image. And I was looking at the stats on that today and it had like a 75% open rate. That's fantastic. Like, yeah. like click links, click through the link kind of thing. Uh, I don't know if I put a link That's in there, phenomenal. but I at least like opened it and i looking at something. Yeah. Well, any, any kind of interaction as I'm sure you've experienced is, is better than a non-open, no response. Exactly. That's really cool. Well done. Thank you. I knew you were going places, Katie. Oh, thanks, Alex. (laughs) I had to do that. I had to do that. That's a great idea. Look at me learning stuff in the podcast here. I haven't even, haven't even done much. (laughs) You don't have to do much to learn. We were kind of, I know. That's the cool part is that you can literally just sit and listen to people and learn stuff. Exactly. What were you going to say? But we were talking a little bit about, well, I, I just kind of wanted to, to maybe drift back to our original topic of yeah. finding your voice. We've kind of bopped around, but, but that was kind of the, the topic that we were on today. For sure. uh, and, and thinking about like, what does it mean when 
when Alex does sales or what does it mean when Katie does sales? And, and I think that's going to vary dramatically based on what company you're at, you're at and what their tactic is and what they kind of want you to do. Cause you are hired to execute their sales platform. Right. And I think the difference is that in a company that gives you a lot of lateral room like mine, where no one is telling you really what to do, I'm kind of coming up with a lot of it as I go and, and checking to make sure I'm not, you know, burning the house down as I'm building the kitchen, so to speak, is you just kind of got to figure out how to talk to people. Like, like what words do you like to use? Do you want to be on LinkedIn? Do you want to be on email? Do you want to do cold calls? And, and depending on, on what company and how much lateral room they give you and figuring out what, what particularly clicks for you, what platforms do you like? For me, it's a lot of LinkedIn. You know, after, after doing a lot of different things in sales, a lot of different approaches, rather, I should be more specific than saying things and, and what ifs. But after trying out um, communication points like email, cold calls, and LinkedIn, LinkedIn turned out to be my moneymaker, so to speak. It just seemed to really work for me where where the, the process that I've built out of connecting with people and then sending a message and then a few, a few more points down the cadence works way better for me than email and cold calls. And so in a company where I have a lot of um, autonomy to decide what I want to do, I find that I'm on LinkedIn a lot of the day rather than doing a lot of cold calls. And so figuring out how that works at whatever company you're working at is a big part of figuring out your voice, of sale, your voice in sales, I think. Yeah, I like that point because, I mean, it's really dependent on, like, the type of sales that you do, like, inbound versus outbound and also, like, the platforms that you have available. Like you were saying, like, automated templates might work well for someone and, like, they can, they can templatize, like, their voice, but for other people, it's going to be different and, like, the ebb and flow of writing out different responses might work way better for them. Uh, and even thinking about different companies and, and the way they'll, they'll be rigorous or less rigorous, depending on what, what they've decided, what sort of approach they want to take towards their sales process. You may find that you thrive in a very rigid system, or you may find that you thrive in a whole lot of autonomy. And, and just because you start in one company doing sales doesn't mean you wouldn't do better or be potentially even less happy at a different company. It's kind of why I advocate for for trying several places before you settle down. That there's a lot of different factors that go into like you being successful at sales, which is a big point of anxiety for a lot of salespeople, especially starting out. How do I get good at sales and how do I make sales? And there's a lot of factors that go into that. And one of them is your voice, kind of what we've been talking about today, figuring out what works for you and what you like to do. But then there's also, and companies don't like to admit this, but companies kind of have, have to pony up too. Where they've got to have a product that people want to buy. They kind of got to have a strategy for who you should be contacting. I mean, they should be able to, to at least tell you who their target demographic is. And all these, and so a lot of points like that kind of combine into you can sell this. At my own company, I, I had to figure that out, you know, where we were, what we were selling, who we were selling it to, and how we were selling it to people. And that's a, that's a very natural um, 
process to go through as you start a new sales job at any company. Yeah. And like, I come from like the company that I work for, that was all very much given to us. And while we did like conduct some of our own research, everything wasn't handed us, handed directly to us. Like they made us go and find some of it, but like, it's interesting how like you found that all out through your own process. And like, I was kind of given the process on how to learn it, which I think is very, it's different, but like the outcomes could be the same, but they also could be different because I feel like. Depending on who you are. Yeah. Depending on how, how willing you are to go out and dig all that up by yourself. You know, when the days are ticking by and you haven't gotten a demo in three weeks and you're trying to figure out what the problem is and you're starting to realize that it might not be you, you know, I, I had a moment like that where I'm sitting here in my home office working remote in Utah and realizing that or having the thought, is this product actually like something people want and, and not having a clear answer. And so I had to do some serious homework, right? Cause this is my livelihood. So I either got to figure this out or I got to jump ship. And I decided after a lot of research to stick around and I, I kind of believe in what I'm selling now, whereas before I wasn't so sure. That's because we're still a pretty small team and, a, and kind of a new company where it, it took me a while because we're a small team to get the information I needed from my, from my team to finally be able to conclusively say like, yeah, we've got something pretty cool here. But like your experience, Katie, they handed you a lot of that information just because you signed their offer letter. So being aware that that companies fall somewhere on that spectrum is really important. Yeah, that's not something I really thought of before, but I think it's very, it could be very like influential on like how you start and like the process you take of learning, like especially at your first like entry level sales role, being handed that could be a benefit just because like, you kind of know who to target then. Like it's, you're already learning how to like, how to physically execute outreach and having a demographic to go after would be very useful for that. But I also could argue for the other side that having to figure that out would teach you so much about how to like be your own independent entity. Yeah. It would really depend on the person. Um, For me, having done the, the sort of loosey goosey version at times, I kind of wish I'd just been given the data. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes it, it, I, I'm sitting here thinking, man, it would just be nice to be handed a leads list you know, versus making my own. But, but on the other hand, I've learned a ton about how to dig people up and, and figure out who to contact. And I would not have had that, that opportunity if they were just handing me a cold call list and saying, go for it. Exactly. So it de- again, turns out it depends on who you are, what you want, what you're willing to do. It's funny. It's almost like there's no like conclusive answers. There isn't. <laughs> and that's because like the path you take to find yourself and to find your own voice is different for every single person. Yeah. Well, while processes can be the same and like you can definitely learn from other people's process of, of finding themselves like your path is always going to be unique in some form. Yeah, you're right. And I feel like that's, that's a really important point to make is that your path to success will look slightly different 
even in the, even if you're operating in the same system as all the other reps at your company, your path to success will look a little different. And that's a natural, normal thing that's difficult to anticipate. That's why there's so many startups. And that's ultimately why like companies have competitors. Like it's the same thing, but like slightly different. And the thing that makes them slightly different could either make them better or maybe worse than their competitors. But each company is successful for a different reason. Yeah, that's interesting. There might be something there. It sounds like it, it, it I mean, it, honestly, it sounds like one of those things that's, that's more complicated than can be summed up in a sales podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one. You know what I mean? Here we are, you and I solving the, the questions of the universe. But uh, but we're talking about, you know, economic systems here that I have no idea really how they work. <laughs> exactly. No one really knows how they work except for, you know, the expert. No one even knows, no one even knows where money really came from when you think about it. Like, who even made money? What's up with that? What a oh. jerk. <laughs> Alex, you could use that as a pattern interrupter. Who made money? <laughs> Who made money? That's going to be my next subject line. Who made money? First line. I don't know. But anyways. <laughs> you know, hmm. it would be something like that that would perform well just because. It, it would. That's the annoying part is if I put that as my subject line, it would work. But that's, that's, that's an interesting point that, that is worth mentioning. It's like how, how tricky is it okay to be? And this, this falls in different places, again, for different people. But I try to be pretty above board with my own sales efforts. That if I, if I got to trick somebody to open my email and read my, my copy, I, I don't know if I really want to do that. Because I've, I've had that happen to me. And I, and I always feel kind of like, you jerk. I was doing something important and you tricked me into reading your email. Yeah. I, and, this is, and this is me specifically. This is something I, I feel set me strongly until someone changes my mind that I feel like it's okay to authentically be in sales. Yeah. Like it's okay to like write a sales email because you are in sales. Like that is what you do. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting too, that like you can even call that out. I've heard either like cold call scripts or email scripts. It's like, Hey, yeah, this is a cold call. Um, but I don't want to waste your time. So here's why I'm calling you people use it as a pattern disruptor because, because of people trying so hard to not look like a salesman that owning it turns out throws people off. (laughs) I've used that sometimes on LinkedIn. I'll I'll message somebody be like, Hey, you don't know me. Uh, Full disclosure. I'm in sales messaging you about X, Y, Z because you fit X, Y, Z criteria. So, pretty above board right and it's pretty on the nose as well and it, it sees decent results I, I don't i don't want to pretend like like my open rates are as high as they would be if i was tricking people to open my email but uh but i feel good about it at the end of the day yeah and as long as i'm able to provide for me and mine i i feel okay with that yeah my opinion might might change dramatically if this was like the apocalypse and the only way to provide for my family was to trick people to falling into my pit trap. For example, just, just hypothetical. 
I think maybe everywhere try some extra things then. Yeah, well, you gotta have multiple revenue streams in the apocalypse. You cannot just result for just depend on one thing because you'll start a death. <laughs> yep, you're right. You're right on that. <laughs> See, you gotta run sales like you're in the apocalypse. You gotta have multiple ways to contact people. Multiple ways. <laughs> that's what this. That's what we should have been talking about. Sales in the apocalypse. What are the parallels? That would be legit. <laughs> Surviving the apocalypse like sales? Question mark. You know, I Are bet you... we could find some interesting parallels in there, though. Oh, I know you could. There's lessons to be had. Of course. And that's something that I've noticed as well, is that sales, we're kind of bopping around here at the end here, but I feel like like now that I know how it works, sales is everywhere. You know, everything is going on with sales. I mean, even even down, even the presidential election, I think, is a great example of it's all sales. They're just trying to sell a cause or sell the presidency or or sell this one bill that they're trying to push or sell this charity that pops up every Christmas as they play the, that sad puppy eye commercial, you know, like they're all just, it's all sales. Everything is sales. Like you can even bring it into like your personal relation, like related to. No. Yeah. I see where you're going. Absolutely. You know, knowing even just having skills in how to present information clearly and in a way that's um, compelling. Yeah, exactly. That's Shows what I was going for. Everywhere. Like, as you get better in sales and you get better with communicating and connecting with people, like, it shows not just in your professional life, but in your personal life and everything that you do. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I run into that all the time now. Yeah. I, can't, I can't tell you how the pitch went to for my wife to let me, like, go on a three-day fishing trip with her expecting, you know? Like, that was, that was a hard pitch. Probably the hardest in my life. Did it work? <laughs> no, didn't. Oh. Not not a chance. But <laughs> no, she shot that down first three seconds. But you know, I tried it. <laughs> you gotta try. You gotta, you gotta try. try. Hey, that's the thing about sales. You gotta try. It really is. Like you have to. At the end of the day, you're not gonna be successful unless you pick up the phone and make the calls or write the emails and send them. Like you're absolutely right. And. And a lot of this stuff that we talk about with sales doesn't matter if you're just not putting in the numbers. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter how great your voice is if you're never speaking. All right. Well, let's wrap up our conversation. I have a few final questions for you. My sure. first one would be, what is your favorite resources for someone in sales? My favorite resources for, for people in sales, I and I'm pretty pretty no name about this. Whereas I don't really have like a website that I go to. I don't have a podcast I listen to. I have people in my life that I respect and, and value who I take their advice really seriously. So some of those people are uh, in my family. Some of those people are in the sales mastermind. I'll drop the name Patrick Downs is tremendous, a tremendous resource. Um, I met him through, this, through Nick Rundlet's Sales Mastermind, and he's just been phenomenal. All the guys in the Sales Mastermind is really where I've learned how to do sales. And so what I'll say is for people who are, who are trying to cut their teeth in sales is to find people who are further down the track than you are and just start hanging out with them, just doing anything with them and, and, and bringing them into your life and being in their life will generate um, the, the kind of uh, knowledge transfer that you're hoping for. And it'll be informal and it'll be messy, but 
if you find the right people, it can be really productive. Yeah, I can totally get on that train too. Like the biggest thing is having like almost like a mentorship with people that you can like, or community connection that can like help you through the, the struggles and answer questions when they come up. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, that's better than, than like a blog you like or a podcast you listen to. It's because you can go to them with actual questions that you have rather than hoping and praying that your, your uh, celebrity crush has made a podcast about it. Exactly. It's better than Googling for the answer and hoping that the first page will show you something that you need to know. Because <laughs> if it's on the second page, I ain't reading it. Yeah, never. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. What would your advice be to a new salesperson? My advice? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the context? So you're talking to a, a brand new salesperson that's going to walk into their first SDR role tomorrow morning. What piece of advice would you give them knowing what you know now? Yeah, I would say your first job is just your first data point. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, you need at least one more data point before you can call it quits. Because if you've got two nails, you can hold down a board. But with one, you can twist that thing all over the place. That is really great advice. Thanks. <laughs> hey, thanks, Katie. I've, I've never heard that before, but I really like it. Yeah. I, I, and the reason I say that is because I've seen people firsthand who get a job in sales. It goes poorly for reasons that are either that, that combine with like their lack of experience and even the company might not be running quite right. And they have a really hard time. They don't make any sales in months. And they think it's because sales isn't for them when really their first data point just wasn't any good. Yeah. I like that. Well, Alex, it was a pleasure having you. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll come back sometime. Yeah, for sure.